Hello. Hey. So we're doing another shooting the shit. Bonus for you guys. This is <laughs> unexpected, maybe. Yeah, it, it kind of was an unexpected thing for us too. We looked at our schedule and we're like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's do something else." Yeah, basically we uh, we're gonna come up on some travel issues and things like that. So we're trying to build up a little stock of stuff for you guys. Yep, and since these episodes are more time sensitive. <laughs> It makes it sound like it's very important. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you don't want to hear current events from three weeks ago. So we moved this one up on our schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Just for you guys. Yeah. We're nice. We're super nice. Hold on. I was opening something on my phone and got distracted by a cute cat picture, which is very on brand. Par for course. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with something kind of fun today. I, I am... I. <laughs> I have labeled this in my notes as shit captain. That is my role today. <laughs> captain of the shit. So you give all your orders from the poop deck, right? Oh my God. Leave the show. I'm going to find a replacement. <laughs> <laughs> no, if anyone would leave, it would be me. Cut uh, that, I'm cut pretty that. replaceable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So the first thing on our list is actually a listener shout out because I don't know. I just thought it'd be fun. Yeah. I got a DM from Mark who wants to shout out his boyfriend, Christoph, who loves our podcast and listens to it all the time. And he's become much more left wing as a result um, to the whole. Oh, this is cute to the point where he now lectures me about Marxist stuff that I already agree with. That's goals. <laughs> awesome. Lovely. So, yeah, just asked for a shout out. And I thought that was great. So, yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Agreed. Comrade solidarity. Yeah, if you aren't pestering your significant other about Marxism, you're not doing it right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, they don't have to capitulate day one, you know? You can wear them down. Yeah. And <laughs> even if you want, you know, you want to let them out of the room thinking, I'm still not a Marxist or I'm still not a left wing, I'm not anarchist, whatever. That's fine. Then go on thinking that. But you want to gradually wear them down. To where even though they still think they're the other thing, they really actually are way further left than they thought. To where one day, eventually, they'll wake up and just be like, oh, yeah, hey, I'm a socialist. But you won't get there just overnight getting people to just drop their previous labels. <laughs> yeah, just make it so, like, they'll say something that's accidentally super Marxist and, like, they don't know it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I forgot. I had a second opener, which is I had to drive to the airport this morning, drop off Kyle, and I saw a fab fantastic set of bumper stickers. Um, one of my favorite hobbies in Texas is reading bumper stickers on the back of extremely large trucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like just on, on their literal bumper there, but they're at eye level because it's just, it's just so such, huge. A, <laughs> such a rig that they're driving. <laughs> So the first one was end Floridization, not like the state of Florida, like we're all turning into Florida. Oh, that's what but I this was. This person okay. is against fluoride. Oh, <laughs> all right. Both of them work, but they come from maybe opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> Just end Florida. We're over it. Um, making everyone into Florida. Yeah, but fluoride. <laughs> wow. All against right. fluoride. Uh, there is also a link to a like a something Clean Water Dallas website that I did not have the the guts to go to the second bumper sticker was i gotta describe this because it's quite the graphic design feat um it said covid 19 and then in faded out letters was 84 
Oh. Yeah. And underneath the 84 was an eye. <laughs> oh, like an all-seeing uh-huh. eye sort of thing? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. I can't remember what the second line says. I should have written it down. Um, but yeah, that was impressive. <laughs> this is pretty excellent. So, Oh, it the- was some numbers. It was like 2, 2 something. I don't remember what the other number was. It was like 2 dash 2 dash 8 or something. Huh. That's weird. I don't, I don't know what that one means. I didn't know the significant. Yeah, maybe like the Reddit people know or something. <laughs> the 4chan people. Yeah, it could be. It's the modern day version of like 1488 or something. I don't know. It could be. It could be <laughs> something real bad. It is interesting. The fluoride thing is actually an old. I mean, that's that does go back to like the 50s and stuff. Conservatives basically saying we're all, it's sort of like a communist plot or, you know, the Soviets or something are trying to secretly... Under my, I mean, that was Dr. Strangelove, right? They're trying to get our precious bodily it. fluids. Uh, <laughs> basically, I don't know. That's weird shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was delightful. Went down real smooth. It is weird, though, how the right wing is seemingly like these uh, sort of like has these health fanatic type things of like of those two issues, obviously, and, and vaccines They've become very like anti big pharma, but in a stupid way. Like it's kind of ba- it's you know it's good to be I guess anti big pharma because they do a lot of bad shit. But like I don't know in a dumb way of like just generally just being dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I gotta say they've kind of co opted the eat meat get buff narrative. We gotta take that back from them. Yeah, because don't they? Well, <laughs> I don't know. I've I've only heard about this in certain circles. I haven't really encountered it personally. But like the seed oil people are saying, oh, like, oh I don't, don't, know them. don't be about seed oil. Like, don't consume seed oils. It's really bad for you. For I some reason, people, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe it's only an online thing, but people frame it as sort of reactionary in a way. And I don't know how you combine those two, but I'm sure there's a way to do it because everything seems to be able to have a political bend. I mean, yeah, I'm the whole kind of new age health twist got super right wing like pretty fast like it used to be a very like liberal thing to be like oh i don't trust big pharma and i don't like you know i'm trying to eat clean or whatever Mm -hmm. it is or be a little bit alternative in that Mm -hmm. regard a little woo woo like that used to mean like okay you're probably in like a hippie or hippie adjacent politically (laughs) and now it's like ooh, you could be like (laughs) straight up crazy like i have no idea maybe it's an aspect of individualism or something is why it's so right wing is that because, you know, in in the earlier versions that we were used to, right, uh, those sort of hippie liberal sort of ideas were mostly like a lifestyle thing of like, oh, I'm my own person. I dropped out of the system, man, you know, and there was that element of like not so much caring about like the group struggle. That was the old left. The new left would be like find it within yourself, you know, self-actualization, getting away, you know, being off the grid. And that's almost what the right wing thing is now. It's like freedom. Right. Uh, the freedom of, of like protecting you or your family. And like, that's all that you're, you're focused on the, the well-being of that against the rest of the world, basically. Yeah. I mean, I do find it fascinating as like, it's not really a political litmus test. I just, I find it interesting. Like people's approach to doctors, like, like our mother thinks doctors are magic, I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I I mean I have this sort of that's my base reaction to it and I consider I I know that I do it and I sort of criticize 
myself a little bit for, but it's my normal reaction. I, I kind of consider my maybe my peasant mindset of it is that I go in, <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're you way smarter than me knowledge. at this. <laughs> yeah, you know what you're talking about. I don't. Tell me what I need to do. You got the lab coat, you know? I mean, and, and like, I am not, like, anti-science by any means, but I also, like, recognize ways in which, like, doctors are fucking human beings and, like, they can fuck up. And I also, like, know my body pretty well. So, like, you know, like, an example of this, like, I had a cold and she's like, you should go to the doctor. I'm like, I know how to take care of a cold. Like, it's going to be fine. You know, like, that's, I don't need that. Whereas some people are, like, hardcore the other way. Like, my mother-in-law is like, oh, I never go to the doctor. I hate going to the doctor. And it's it's because she's like, I don't trust Big Pharma. and But she'll go to, like, a chiropractor. And I'm like, well, that's, like, also kind of sus. And she's like, well, so is Big Pharma. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's, like, the right substitution to make. But I don't know. It's very interesting, I find. The, yeah. The thing with chiropractic, at least, is that most modern-day practitioners – uh, scoff at its origins and like the whole <laughs> I learned this from a ghost thing. Yes, of it. <laughs> but like that's one of those things, and like it, it's one of those things that makes me feel like a crazy person because I'm like I don't know what the truth is about it. Like I don't, and I don't want to go deep diving into scientific papers to find out particularly. But like I genuinely don't know. Like is it safe? Is it bad? I don't fucking know. I guess I don't either. From the little bit that I've read about it, it does seem like it's sort of uh, the. It seems like the most generous explanation of some of it is like. This very rarely hurts people, which to yeah. me doesn't seem like something you need to <laughs> introduce into the medical system. Yeah. It's <laughs> it just won't like, kill you. This does not often really hurt people. <laughs> like, not often, too. What a great disclaimer. Right, it's like, well, can we? what if we don't do it? Like the whole like manual, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm, uh, the adjustments. The, yeah, adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, makes me feel like a car. Um, <laughs> they should come in there and tune me up. But I mean, I like, on the other hand, a lot of people say they get relief from it. and then some people kind of counter that and they're like no nah, that's just uh placebo yeah, i guess we don't we're not qualified we're playing definitely not qualified speculation here <laughs> <laughs> it's a medical guessing game <laughs> yeah but uh i do find that whole that approach to doctors like you said is, is an interesting i mean it's just personal foibles or you know people's preferences i think so i think a lot of it is like trust and like how you personally have been treated by the medical system like i don't know there's a lot going on yeah and there's you know social aspects to that too at different groups mm-hmm. you know not being as trustworthy in the medical field or what have you or also access like just not having access it's, to a, p- it's a pain in the fucking so ass like yeah, yeah no way oh <laughs> yeah. okay all right so next we have a listener question which i normally wouldn't throw in in of shooting the shit but I thought it was a good discussion point instead of just like a, I don't know. It's like not an a researchable one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is from Leia or Lee, um, who sent this to us on Twitter. And she said, I've been listening to your show and Rev Left and Deprogram and came across a few discussions on dialectical materialism. In regards to spirituality, it seems that dialectical materialism is atheistic and incompatible with a metaphysical or spiritual view. Is there a way to reconcile this? One, do you think that's true? I mean, I haven't read like the theory of that, I guess, specifically, but I can see maybe where that conclusion would would be drawn. I would say that, so dialectical materialism, it's, you know, it's materialist. So you can't really be spiritualist, can it? (laughs) Right. So, well, it, it, it does run counter to 
a notion that in t- typical Christianity anyway, or is this more broad than that? Is this just mm. in general spirituality? Or? Let me see, because she sent like a follow-up. Uh, no, it doesn't have anything specifically about it. So any religion. Yeah, so like another question she sent was like, do you have to be an atheist to be a communist? I don't think so personally, but I mean, I don't know. Um, well, everything's about a matter of degrees in terms of there are communists who would say yes. Who would say to check all the boxes that I check to be a communist, you have to, you know. But then there's Christian communists. There's there's all kinds of people of, of faith that are also communists. And they would say you don't have to. You know, there, there's nothing that says that conflicts. But it sounds like her question is like, does the adhering to dialectics mean you have to reject all like metaphysical aspects not dialectics in general no because that's just you know there are two opposing things they have a relationship and but if you're talking about like real you know diamat you know you're <laughs> oh is that how you shorten it yeah that's the diamat yeah that and that was from marxism leninism like when they were you know, the Russians, they always like to shorten oh, up. Oh, that's the, true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> that sounds like a futuristic business. That's like, that doesn't sound as nefarious, though, as like other, it, does, it doesn't sound like a nefarious corporation or like some sort of bad <laughs> group, you know, diamond. No, it, it sounds like that's where you go to get your like robot assistant tuned up or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going down the diamond to get some new parts. <laughs> uh, okay, but if you're if you're looking at that, and adhering mm-hmm. to that. So it says everything in our world comes from everything's matter and or you know originates in a scientific way. Everything comes from something else that, and and it most crucially is not created by ideas. Which every faith approaches this differently, but most have some sort of an origin myth or origin story, origin article of faith, what have you. You know, uh, I guess what I'm most familiar with in the Christian sense is that the, you know, omnipotent everything God... He made the stuff. ...speaks into being (laughs) everything, which is very idealist. This is just, he kind of comes up with it. He's, it's it's the, the word made incarnate. And that's like exactly, you know, that's... That is what Marx famously flipped on its head when he went to materialism. So it's it's like the opposite of that in that way. I guess my perspective on this is that people's faiths can really very much focus on that stuff of like, where does everything come from? The cosmology of everything, the big picture, zoom out, what happens when you die and theology things. But I think that for a lot of people, their faith is more focused on what do you do? in the world yeah more focused on the moral guidelines yeah so from you know at least this is my approach so i'm biased toward it perhaps but i don't pay so much attention to the what i would consider the more weird uh <laughs> the more creation myth kind of thing like well sure but the more supernatural element to it that's oh, i guess okay, what i mean to say uh, you're like you know. eh, it doesn't super matter if like moses turned his staff into a snake like that'd be pretty sick but like it's cool if he didn't. Yeah. Or, you know, obviously with the creation stuff, all that, the more unprovable stuff, I'm like, okay. <laughs> cool story. It's not, the, it's not, yeah, it's not what's central to me as much as like doing the right thing for people and trying to like 
change things here and make things better and look out for people and be a good person. I think a lot of religious people who are left wing, that may be more of their, what they focus on too, you know, cause that's easier to reconcile. It may be that it's like kind of, you can't reconcile them if you're being a strict adherent to either one. But if you're like most people and you just kind of wishy-wash a little bit in between, that's fine. Yeah, because like, I mean, in our couple of episodes that have looked at religious movements within like Marxist-Leninist kind of viewpoints, whether it's Christian socialism or we touched a little bit on Islamic socialism, like I don't recall those having any like, well, you gotta be religious to be here. You know, like it was more like, hey, we're using this as a a, a backdrop or a a stepping stone to explain our ideas. Yeah, so you're saying it's not like exclusive. exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's more of a way to appeal to people in those cultures. I think so. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's it's a way to bring in people that are part of that, and you know, like I, if you're really walking the walk and like trying to be, you know, a good person or whatever, like I think, I think that is more the crux of it. Like you were saying, like yeah you know, to some people, like, that is the the essence of Christianity is, like, helping other people and blah, blah, blah. And so to them, they're like, the next logical step is to be a socialist. Yeah, that makes sense. I would say, to root back in the question, strictly adhering to dialectical materialism would probably make it hard for you, cognitive distance-wise, to, like, become a priest or something. To become someone <laughs> who has to, like, toe every theological orthodoxy of a faith you're pro- and if you're strict dialectic you're, pr- you're probably not going to be able to combine those two probably but not <laughs> there's no reason i don't think why it because you can still be materialist and say okay there is a material explanation for why they're religions they you know they come out of they're they're socially created they're you know passed down among cultures and everything and I mean, Marx did this when he talks about it being the opiate of the masses. It's a little bit derisive, but he's also saying that it's like a way for people to deal with the world, a way for people to like find meaning in it. You know, I mean, that's just kind of what he's, why he uses that turn of phrase, I think is like, it's, it's some, it does have a reason for being there, you know? And so you can say, Hey, this does something for me. You know, it's, it's, this is something that makes my life more fulfilling, has more meaning, what have you. I understand it comes from a materialist source. That's, that's fine. I, I get that process, but like, it's something that helps me make sense of my day to day life. And again, I think that kind of does necessitate a little bit of like, oh yeah, that one part, I get why we <laughs> say it, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not focused <laughs> on it, but Hey, I, I it, you may be listening and saying, nah, actually, here's how you square that circle. I mean, that's fine. But I mean, we do that all the time, especially like on the shows, like we take what we want from different, like, you know, bios and theories and whatever. And like, yeah, I like this part. Don't like this part. Like, that's fine. I think you can do that re- with religion if that's your jam. Yeah. And that's also being a good materialist is learning from uh, all of these different traditions or historical examples. Uh, one of the stupider things that, you know, liberal idealists and everything like to do is sanctify somebody, you know, 
They say, oh, here are all the good things and the perfect things that this person did because they are good and perfect and we should emulate them in every way, make them into a hero or vilify them. And that's one thing I think we try to do on the show well and is rooted in that dialectic thing is that within the same person, you'll have good actions and bad actions. You'll have good aspects, bad aspects, and you have to understand that those both exist with intention with each other. There's a relationship between them. Sometimes they cause there's causal relations too, but like you have to be able to extract not just the good, the good aspects to emulate, but also look at the bad parts and, and figure out like, this wasn't just because they were a jackass. This is why they did that. Here's how to avoid it. You know, learn, I guess, learn from it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, speaking from the atheist point of view or agnostic or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. I am these days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it is, for me, like, I often struggle, I think, to relate to, like, particularly religious people. Because for me, that that is a signifier of, like, I got to run some questions about you first. Like, I have to make mm-hmm. sure that you're cool. <laughs> so because, you're, like, you're, like, saying you're you're more experienced with perhaps more uh, culturally conservative. Yes. More attitudes. discriminatory practices. And like, and that's, that's how I would hope, um, we would not necessarily like in that skeptical way, but like, I, I think, you know, if we're talking future time commune, you know, I think absolutely you can have religion. Like that's fucking fine. Like we're not going to be like a, a forcibly atheist society, I hope. But I think it does have to come with some caveats of like, Hey, you can't do these things. Like you had to be on board. Like you can't fucking discriminate against people. Like you can't like, you can't hurt other people in your personal beliefs. Like that's not cool. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something that we would have to set out. Like you said, in those future projects is, I don't know. I mean, your beliefs, technically you can believe whatever you want, but your actions <laughs> you in the public sphere have to be, you know, we're, we're just going to straight up outlaw some stuff. <laughs> and Yeah. And like, I don't know, I've been thinking about this a lot because I don't know, just thinking about, kind of I hate the word but cancel culture of like people getting really upset about it and blah 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 and I'm like first off like we've talked about no one actually gets canceled you can just come back and make like way more money because now you're controversial (laughs) yeah (laughs) I don't feel bad for these people at all they're rich they're doing fine but secondly it's like you have to play by some rules to live in society like Mm -hmm. if you don't do that people will they have a right to get mad and respond and kick you out. Like you just, that's how any society works. That's definitely how I would want our future society to work. It's like, Hey, like this guy fucking sucks. Like, can we, can we not, you know? So like, I just, I don't, I think that's very reasonable. And I think it's really frustrating when it, turns into this whole, you know, fucking free speech nonsense. Cause like, yeah, you have free speech, but there's also rules with that too. Dummies. (laughs) Yeah. And there's degrees within that. Like, sure. We do need to wrestle with the notion of where lines are drawn as far as what's acceptable to be offensive, you know, to be edgy or telling jokes or, or taking, uh, political stances that aren't popular. You know, but but where does, where is that line drawn? You know, we would argue that you, you know, you have to take into account, not just, oh, can I say this? But like, who is actually potentially hurt by this, you know, and you know, whether there's racism involved or, or, or what have you, any sort of discriminatory things like that. But 
I think it's a really childish approach to just say, no, I should be able to do whatever I want. With no consequences. Like, those are consequences. You should have learned about those when you were, like, three. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing, is people want to be able to kind of just do whatever. Stomp their feet and loudly yell something and not have to pay a price for that. All right, that was a weird tangent, but (laughs) that's what this show is for. I was going to add one more thing in about the reconciling beliefs. At the end of the day, they're beliefs, so... Mm -hmm. I think you can be as flexible as you want with them because nobody can prove anything on them because they're beliefs. <laughs> but that's the thing is if you want to be like by the book, you know, it's like, oh, I want to follow the authority of this particular church or faith or what have you. You're going to have to play by their rules. I don't think that communism is as strict about that unless you want to be. You know, there are some groups that are like, no, nah, you got to, but most of us are chill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was kind of... I guess that's kind of a story beat people reference a lot is like the USSR being Mm anti-religion. But I think that gets taken out of context is the thing. Whereas like, yeah, the church was like a huge landowner and like was really shitty. (laughs) So like I would be anti that as well. Right. It was hand in hand with the czarist autocracy. I mean, it was, it was an element of the regime. Yeah. (laughs) Then when the civil war happens there with the, you know, helping the white army and everything, but I guess what I'm saying is like that's taken out of context. And I think I think with religion today, that also has a context, which is what I was talking about earlier. It's like that's why I gotta ask questions and that's why I have to be like self-protective because there is a context around it given today's conversations. Like, ooh, they're fucking coming for me and people like me. <laughs> yeah. But and then there's again a broad spectrum in that, like different real established like churches and stuff have way different you know, and I'm talking even within Christianity, they have oh, way yeah. different interpretations of that. You know, place we go to, they're super chill, like very liberal. Half the time they're talking about like, you know, helping the poor and all, you know, that's, that's what they like to focus on. They're very accepting and all that. But yeah, down the road, you can find, um, <laughs> uh, you know, very homophobic, uh, transphobic places. For sure. It is a thing. <laughs> all right. Thanks for sending that question in. We don't normally do questions here, but, you know, this is an ad hoc episode, so we just threw it in, in the pot. Bonus. <laughs> All right. Keep sending them in, though, because eventually we'll do another Q&A, and we'll get to a bunch of them at once. Yeah. All right. Um, next, I mean, let's talk about the thing that's all over the internet besides Kanye, and that is uh, the fucking strike breakers we have within DSA. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Should we throw the whole man out? <laughs> so how did they vote? Because um, I just oh. glanced at this, but I didn't investigate it at all. Only one member. Uh, let me see who it was. I think I remember, but I don't want to misrepresent. Let me go. Oh, sorry. Some <laughs> Our friend from DSA just shared a very cute picture of a fat beaver. I'm going to like that. All right. <laughs> Shout out to Ian and this beaver. Um, okay. Um, all but one of the squad... Uh, voted against the, well, voted to break the real uh, strike. Who even, how many people did they let vote against it? 80 to 15. <laughs> 15. Cool. Who was the one good one? I want to say it was, what's her name? Rashida Tlaib. That's who it was. Nice. Yeah. Go Rashida Tlaib. Let's see. Who all did they let vote against it? Burr of North Carolina did not vote. That's something. No thanks. 
I'm good. Is that Susan Collins of Maine voted no? Wow. Tom Cotton. Comrade Cotton from Arizona voted no. (laughs) Why? How? Comrade Ted Cruz. Isn't that the racist guy? I'm I'm sure Tom Tom Cotton's not racist, sure. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I mean, doesn't he like write crazy shit in the New York Times? Yes. Okay. That's why I've heard his name. They'll they'll sometimes give him his own little mm-hmm. cotton says column there, and he'll get to say something. <laughs> something nuts. I had heard about this that Cruz voted against it. Interesting. And Bernie, of course, voted against it. He said uh, he apparently joked on the Senate floor. I always knew you were a socialist, to Ted Cruz. <laughs> That's great. Wow. <laughs> Gillibrand Hagerty. Heinrich. I don't even know who that is. I don't know. Heinrich Foti, some, yeah. some real C-listers. John Hickenlooper. <laughs> really? Uh, that guy. That's the guy that... Well, hold on. Let me see. He's the guy that mainlines fracking fluids. Every now and then I'll just turn to Kyle and name an old candidate for president and be like, remember this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, remember when that was a name you used to have to know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, who was that guy? I was trying to think of the the Washington... Governor, mm. maybe? Uh, guy Jay with the glasses. Something? Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I know you're talking about. Kind of nerd guy. Anyway. Um, I mean, you don't need it in your brain anymore. It's fine. You can throw it out. Elizabeth Warren voted no. Some A random smattering of Republicans for some reason. Like Weird. Marco Rubio. I don't know why. What are y'all doing there? Maybe they were just because Brandon wanted to do it, so they voted mm. against it, you know? Maybe. They're just like, we'll show him. <laughs> Rand Paul voted present. Just wanted everyone to know he was there. Hey, I was here, guys. I showed up. <laughs> so the squad. Oh, and that was just the senators. For some reason, that's what the story I was looking at. Mm, yeah. So about. the yeah the headlines were. I mean, on my circles, I'm sure the other headlines were some bullshit. These were DSA members who voted to break a strike, except for one. So like, I don't think they can be DSA members anymore, in my opinion. Um, and it has a lot of folks like seriously taking another look at that. Like, do we need this machine anymore? Like, is it doing what we want it to do? Like, what does that mean? I guess like we can't like, that's a, that's a very black and white failure in my opinion. Like they should be like, I don't know. This is a thing in DSA cause I'm not well informed. They should take away their, their, their membership. We should just be like, we no longer endorse these people. Like they're out. Like, yeah, that's, out. that's what would have to happen. Um, because at the end of the day, if you're going to run a political organization, you have to be able to say what it means to, at the very least, for your elected members, you, you know, people who hold office and have your endorsement. That's a very weak form of it, but still, you you know, your endorsement means you agree with what they're doing for the most part. And this is a big, I don't know, this is too much to... Yeah, let's give uh, some background on this for for folks who don't know what this rail strike is about. Okay. Slasher, refresher for me. (laughs) All right, what do you know already? I know that the rail unions, I think, plural, were trying to strike. I think they just won like fucking like seven days sick leave or something like pretty not that big of a deal. And like this means they they get zero days off. Like (laughs) that is what this this results in which is insane and it was very much framed as like this is us saving the economy and not like this is us like fucking torturing workers because like the rails are so vital like we can't possibly do this i'm like really like 
what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> They're so vital. You should like pay them and like take care of them. Yeah. The rail workers are trying to, the rail unions are trying to negotiate a better deal with the railroad companies. And this has been going on for months. We, I think we've talked about this a couple of times on the I show. I think so. Yeah. They were going back and forth and saying like, no, the crux of the, ma- the railroad company said, we're going to pay you more money, but we're not going to give you like the paid sick time policy. Like that was what they're holding firm on. And some of the unions, uh, several of them said, yeah, this is fine. We'll go with it. You know, they held votes basically. And their membership was like, okay, some of them, their leadership agreed to it, but then the vote failed. The members were like, no, that sucks. Yeah, it does suck. They voted it down. Uh, and so by this point, when, when enough of the, or maybe any of them, I think may, may have been like any of them could say no and it would tank the whole thing. But when, when they got to that point, then it's like, okay, well now we have a deadline. If we can't figure something out by that deadline, you know, the, the rails are going to be shut down. Basically it's going to be a strike. The unions aren't, aren't going to go there. The workers aren't going to show up and we're going to shut the shit down. Wait. So the ones that were threatening to do that, was that everybody or just some unions? Just some of the unions. I don't know okay, if the okay. other ones would have said, fine, we won't work too. Or if they would have broken ranks or what, I don't know how that'll, how that would have shaken out. But the, somewhere along the way, the president put together maybe a commission or some sort of a group that looked at it and said, Hey, here's what we think. Here's a recommendation. Here's what we think a fair deal would be. And they, they like put that proposal out there. They, obviously, you know, they didn't go, neither side went for it, but that's what they imposed when they did this vote. Mm. Uh, and it's the exact same thing they did back in the nineties. In the nineties, there was a, a rail, a rail, you know, would be strike, uh, a strike that was threatened because of this same exact disagreement. Yep. Uh, and it was the same thing. The very next day, Congress passed a bill to force them to take an agreement, and the president, President Bush, at the time, signed it into law. They're like the next day. I just, I don't. <laughs> how is that even legal? That you can just be like, no, you can't strike. Like, fuck, that sucks. Yeah, and there's there's stuff beyond that too. So that's just the provision of of um, there's a particular law or something that says basically that they can do that, uh, that they can impose those agreements. There's measures beyond that. I think if they, for some reason were like, no, the federal government has huge powers to essentially nationalize within reason, whatever they want, as long as they wow. classify it for like uh, national defense, national yep. security uh, production act. And they did some of this with COVID, not a lot, but they did a little bit. Um, where they could basically say, hey, we're going to, you know, put National Guard resources on this shit and make it run, make the Army run this thing for a while. Uh, Rail, definitely. They could easily do that if they wanted to. But that's the thing, is uh, any strike can be illegal (laughs) if you can break it. Yeah. But the flip side of that is any any strike can be made legal after the fact if you win. (laughs) If you win it. That's true. That's very true. So I don't know what the, what the rail, do you know what the rail unions are going to do now that this has been? I do not know. The The law, by the way, is called the Railway Labor Act, which was passed back in 1926. Cool. Normal. 
<laughs> a good law. <laughs> It'd be quite a big ask for these guys to go on strike anyway. I mean, it basically it would be illegal. Uh, it's not like that hasn't happened before. Obviously, all the old strikes were illegal. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, we got labor unions out of those. But, I mean, in more modern-ish times, still before our birth, so before the births of a lot of you guys. <laughs> uh, in 1981, there was the big wildcat strike of the air traffic controllers, uh, PATCO, I think it was called, uh, in Reagan's time. And they had been ordered to go back to work, basically, same thing and they went on strike anyway but since this was like a federal government thing the you know air traffic control reagan just had them all fired as uh, like eleven thousand workers and declared a lifetime ban on them after that what the fuck did and did i mean they didn't have breaking back back then but you could still figure out that you need your air, air traffic controllers to be well rested <laughs> yeah but they just boom he destroyed that and that was a big wow. strike breaking kind of watershed of, of the decline of unions and everything. It had already been declining, but... Yeah, that did not help. This is why we need to be building organizational capacity for the left. Uh, if we had a strong segment of the, you know, the, the railway workers' unions radicalized, you know, then we could start to see some more militant action here. Some more, hey, fuck you, we're not going to take this. But when the crisis happens, when we end up in these spots and we haven't done any of that work, it's hard for us to then say, hey, guys, can you please risk it all? You know, they don't have any of the like framework built up for that to make sense to them. Yeah. And like support within their ranks, like knowing that, you know, all, you know, however many of these unions are going to stand by each other and then support among the general public too. Because like you, the media guys, if you want an example of like some fucking decoding media, the language around the stories about this strike outside of oh, leftist yeah. publications were just like insane stuff. Like mm -hmm. that's a, that's a fucking case study. We're right going there. to avert disaster and <laughs> everything else. We're saving the economy. Right. And they both, ah, <laughs> uh, the, the poor, sad democrats and republicans you know walking around with their shoulders slumped and their <laughs> I eyes hate doing this thousand but... yard stares all of them and they're just like oh we really we just had to do this it's so sad i'm as pro-union as the next person but yeah yeah saving <laughs> the economy i would ask who is the economy or do these rail workers don't they don't count as the economy apparently okay cool good to know yeah, but this is supposed to be a hidden part of the economy, the sub-economy. Uh, this is like fast food workers or anyone else, even though, I mean, pay scale-wise, these guys do make more, but like they, they make more by being squeezed, much the same way as you know, education is run on the backs of free teacher labor put in outside yeah. of contract hours uh, by guilt or whatever else, you know, mm -hmm. uh, of just... You know, I, I put in extra time like that, but mainly it's to A, avoid traffic and B, to <laughs> make my life in the classroom easier. You know, it's like, oh, I'll put in an extra hour of prep so I don't have to deal with stuff in, in class as much. Or nurses, notoriously yeah. overworked. Uh, there's lots of little kind of crevices in the economy that rely on everything's exploitation, but that rely on 
not hyper exploitation in the imperialist sense. That's a whole extra degree yeah. of of exploitation, but we're still like <laughs> still zoomed in here, but yeah. Yeah, still there there's 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 this extra misery that is kind of try always kept behind some sort of a veil and it only sometimes comes to the fore. Totally. If you want to talk about like immigrant workers too, like that's another level underneath that of like, yeah, those are unseen workers that get treated like shit. And that's another part of the system that is, is reliant upon them. Yeah. So when they're saying, Oh, we're saving the economy. What they're saying is like, we're saving our profits, our ability (laughs) to keep this running on the backs of those people instead of, using our margins using like the money that we could these guys are making billions in profits and they're dodging millions of dollars of taxes they have the money to do this to remove this this onerous you know and and start paying paying people fair wages and everything like that but they're not going to or they they're fiercely fighting it because they have to stay in competition like it's it's that old competitive drive is not that they're they are being jackasses but it's sort of a, a mechanism of capitalism is that they have to to stay like alive in the cutthroat world that it is and unless we have a way to i mean basically scare the all the companies the, the same amount <laughs> by saying we'll do this to you too like they have no way to to correct course i guess Right, they're they're doomed to drive themselves off that cliff over time. Actually, there's another strike going on right now. I want to talk about. Hmm. It's the uh, Harper Collins strike. Um, I actually signed a little petition thing for it, just a letter of solidarity, basically agreeing like I'm not going to pitch any work to them until they get their shit together, because they. So, for those of you who don't know about the publishing world. Editors are paid shit. Mm-hmm. Um, agents are usually like you get it by contract, which is very unstable in itself and can be a problem. In particular, like publishing workers, whether you're a book designer, a editor, anyone on that team, your starting salaries are in like the 30k region, which wow. is if if you live in New York, yeah, you you literally can't. <laughs> yeah. So what happens is the, these positions are taken by rich people who can afford Mm. to get subsidized by their parents and, you know, live in their aunt's condo for free or whatever it is. Like you end up creating a whole swath of industry built for mostly white rich people. Yeah. Uh, And that's why we've seen such a huge issue with diversity in publishing. That's why they're so bad at it. They don't know how they're all the same kinds of people. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Let me see. Let me see if I can find their current status. This is from five days ago let's see so yeah now literary agents are are threatening to blacklist harper collins as well um so that's good 150 people you have so 250 entry and mid-level staff members from publicists to editorial assistants have been on strike since november 10th wow so they do have a strike fund if you want to donate to that um i probably should send them a few bucks but yeah, the HarperCollins is apparently the only major New York publisher um, with a union at all. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's something that I see results in really quickly, just as someone who's like interested in books a lot. Like I've been reading a lot more lately, and I was trying to find like a nonfiction book 
that both like my husband and I could enjoy on a road trip, right? And I was like, cool. Let me go nonfiction. Let me go to popular. Did a couple filters by like audiobook and availability. They were all fucking celebrity memoirs. (laughs) (laughs) Everything was either celebrity or self-help. And like, that is honestly where publishing is going if it doesn't get its shit together. Because like, the way it works now, it's like a gambling game of like, well, I'm only going to give you an advance if I know you're going to pay out and blah, blah, blah. You don't have to know all the numbers behind it. But like, basically, like it highly incentivizes having a following already. And like, celebrities are going to get first in line every fucking time. Podcasts are kind of the same way now. Like I was trying to look for a new podcast. I'm like, these are all celebrities. Like, I don't fucking care what you think. Like, I want something interesting. And like, I don't know. It's just really frustrating. It's the same thing with uh, media franchises and stuff of uh, movies and everything is yeah, an iteration because yeah. it's already got a fan base built in. Everything has to be a sure bet. Yeah, that's it's because there's less emphasis on creativity and more mm-hmm. on just can we get a return on investment? And that's when we do did our episode on art and communism. Yeah. That's one thing you'll get to free yourself from the shackles of (laughs) is who cares if it's good for investors, if it's good for the soul, the creative expression of humans. Yeah. Yeah. I just, and those are maybe like two slightly different issues, the strike and then, you know, the way publishing is going, they're connected. I think, I think the overall underlying factors like this is a privileged fucking industry and i think we're starting to see that you know like there's a lot of stories about like nepotism and stuff happening right now too and so i think people are starting to figure that out of like oh yeah like you literally can't break into some industries unless you know a guy (laughs) yeah i was gonna ask strike wise whether you're trying to get more pay more benefits the union is demanding that pay starts at fifty thousand a year which is still criminally low for new york guys (laughs) I'm just saying uh, you were living in squalor at that point. Uh, (laughs) Not quite, but yeah, not great. These are pretty small asks, in my opinion. Yeah, for real. Well, uh, solidarity with them, then. Absolutely. Whatever you rail workers do as well, good luck. I hope you get some fucking days off, because Jesus, that's insane. Yeah, and if you... Decide to go on strike, even if it's an illegal strike, will point people your way. Absolutely. Strike fund wise. I don't even know the legality of that, but it's fine. <laughs> we'll It'll figure fine. it out if you do it. <laughs> okay. My next topic. I don't know how much you know about this, so maybe I'll start with that. All right. What do you know about AI art? Uh, I know that it exists, that there was this one competition where this, this guy won that was an AI artist Yeah, and everyone was like, Whoa, is that good? (laughs) Is that bad? Um, and then I've used it in a simple fashion. There's a little bot on discord called mid journey bot where you can enter a prompt for it to do an AI and it gives you like four little AI things and you can like upscale it or you can do th- anyway that's that's my experience with it <laughs> okay yeah so i think pretty normal experience i would say like i don't know it's it's been really interesting seeing like i guess how people who are not in the art world interact with it so far because mostly it's either like oh it's memes or it's like yeah i tried it once to make uh, ai portraits right now are really in mm, um, yeah so i saw some of that happening from the people that i thought would maybe know better so i wanted to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> 
So I am super simplifying here. Please don't fucking get in my DMs and try to explain algorithms to you, to me, or to you. I, <laughs> that would I be more not. confusing. That would be really weird. Um, I, you know, machine learning, very complicated, right? But the, the crux of the issue is that these AI algorithms, machine learning, whatever you want to call it, they take in source material from artists. And it is most of the time, I would say almost all of the time, without their consent. Mm, okay. And that is how they are able to generate images. Um, I think it's a little, I mean, I'm not trying to be old school here. The photography one, like, yeah, there's credits there too, you know, like if you're doing like more realistic stuff. But oftentimes those are like, I don't know, very public photos of like, yeah, I took like crazy, I took images of like, you know, the Prince of Wales or whatever and fucked around with them. But I think what what is worrying to me as an artist and worrying to a lot of my artist friends is that these are taking work without consent and smushing them around and changing them and putting out new work from that. And I think there's a lot of discussions right now of like, it, you know, is this going to replace like portrait commissions or you know, just any kind of commission work or illustrations that we would get illustration work in general, editorial work. Like there's a lot of illustration work still out there. And if a company can say, Oh, I can just put it into the, the picture machine and get a machine. They're going to do that. And it's stealing our work is the thing. Like there was this uh, really famous illustrator who died recently. Um, what was his name? Kim Jong Ji or Gi, I'm sorry if I don't know how to say it. Um, this Korean illustrator, um, he made this super intricate series of drawings, like just gorgeous stuff. And someone trained an algorithm to on his work and was able to mimic it. And that's fucked up. That guy just died. And you're just gonna like steal his work basically to make new work. Damn, we're all gonna be, we're all gonna be like Leia in that Star Wars sequels movie. Exactly. Like, <laughs> okay, I think that's a great example. It's like, would you want that? Like, isn't that kind of fucked that they did that? They were able to just move her body around without her consent. Me, I'm kind of vain. I'd be fine with it. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just want to be in control be of the narrative. I'd be like, damn, people <laughs> damn, are still out there. <laughs> Hanging out with the Grady in the in the uh, in the uh, holodeck, you know, in the metaverse. <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, cool. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Okay, so if one of us dies and we can upload our code, don't upload mine. Yes, upload Grady's. <laughs> yeah. So if yeah, when when we're dead, if you want to revive this show with AI me, that's fine. That's fine. You got to find new hosts. Yeah, it'll just co-host. Maybe it's just a single project. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Might not be that good. Yeah. So I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about this and I, I just want folks to know if you're curious about it, if, if you've already tried it, I'm not going to be mad at you about it. That's okay. You're curious. I get it. I, it's interesting because like a lot of the, the pro arguments I've seen are people saying like, oh, you know, this is how people responded to photography or, you know, this, this is the future of art to like, just get over it. This is making it more accessible, blah, blah, blah. And I just am like, I think that's sus. Because <laughs> I don't think you can't, if, if okay, if photography's main uh, debut was taking pictures of other people's art and then selling it, then yeah, I'd be mad at photography too. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, people just go to museums. <laughs> Check out photography. And saying it's the future of art, like, I do think it's interesting. I'm not trying to be like a Luddite or anything in, in the negative sense. <laughs> 
but I am a Luddite in the sense of like art is labor and like you can't just steal it and you can't just cut us out. Yeah, I was going to try to clarify. Yeah, yeah. So when the companies are, you know, you're saying, oh, the company can just put it in the AI machine. Do they have like really good ones that can get rid of like the weird extra fingers the swir- and shit? Yeah, or the swirly eye or, you know, how <laughs> they have kind of defects on them. I don't know. Like, I've seen some pretty good ones now, like, especially the portraits, because that's pretty simple. Those are pretty good. And I could totally see someone using that for a portrait commission or for an author photo or whatever. And they're good at, like, doing a style of somebody, like something style of whoever. Yeah, that's literally how some of these these are generated. Someone will just say, like, they'll paste a name in their style so-and-so. That's kind of cool. Okay. (laughs) It's kind of cool. Okay, here's why it's kind of cool, is because corporation doing it, fuck them, they suck. They're selling Mm -hmm. it. But what about, like, fair use of, like, I could make a cool D&D character portrait for free at my game that I'm not selling, but I am kind of stealing it because I'm just not paying for it. But it's not like I'm then bootlegging it and selling it to other people is what I mean. I mean... It's still not good is what you're saying? I think it's still not good. I mean, I don't love it because I think... Because, I mean, you you could make the argument like, okay, like people do that already. It's like pirating movies. Or, well, I was going to say, like, you can still, like, find an image of someone that looks kind of like your character and be like, yeah, this is close enough. That's what I do all the time, every time. Yeah, yeah, that's (laughs) what you would, like, currently do, right? Yeah. And I don't think, like, I've I've heard arguments against that, and I'm like, dude, if it's just, like, for your fucking home game, like, I don't care about that that much. Mm -hmm. I think with AI, I think it's like you are feeding into this system I, I, I worry about feeding it more information, I guess. So you're, you're saying you're kind of taking part in training it. I think you might be. I'm not sure. Training not it to make a store stuff. where it is bootlegging people's art in the future. <laughs> I think so. I'm not like super clear on it. I don't super care to be, I guess, but it still feels a little icky to me. I don't know. And it, especially like when it comes to like the, the face portraits that everyone's doing, everyone's uploading pictures of themselves and putting in the big AI machine. I'm like, guys, maybe we don't do that. Maybe we've watched enough sci-fi movies where we know not to do that. Are you talking about the one that like can make you a Disney character or that sort of thing? Um, I don't, it's called a, something with an L. What's it called? Lenza is the one that's going around right now. Lenza. Um, not quite Disney. It's more like, like painterly or kind of anime inspired a little bit. But yeah, that one, I'm like, ooh, maybe we don't give the machine more faces to feed on. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a great idea. But then again, you're a drop in, you know, a drop of water in the ocean compared to how many people are doing it. Yeah, yeah that's th- true. They had that aging one where you could see yourself oh, age. Oh, yeah, that, I forgot about that. That fucking, that was the FBI and, you know, <laughs> co- all of them teaming They're up so to. so pumped about it. <laughs> yeah, because now they can like age and de-age fugitive pictures and stuff so when we all go underground and hiding from the fascist government <laughs> they'll be they able to yeah they'll catch us 15 years later based on that shit yeah yeah i mean i mean you're right and like in terms of privacy yeah we're already pretty fucked here like you got a computer in your phone that knows where you are all the time unless you really are diligent but it doesn't yeah i guess it doesn't mean that you should just do more <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think that's where I come down to it. Like, I it is really at this point just like trying to stop the floodgates of like, yeah, I've got certain lines. Like, I would like to not, you know, let an Alexa in my home or, you know, I'm not going to sign up for like a an app that tracks my driving. Like, there's certain things that I'm just going to not do, you know. I don't do the app that tracks my driving because I drive too recklessly. 
but (laughs) (laughs) you definitely shouldn't then but i can say that it's because i don't like surveillance (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know so i guess i just wanted to complain about ai stuff because i think it's i think it's shady and i think it's interesting because like people will say like oh this is making like i've heard that argument this is making art more accessible like it's like there's a weird joy in taking away the craft of artists in a way of saying like, well, now anyone can do art. I'm like, bitch, anyone can already do art. You just like need to fucking spend some time on it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Like I'm not doing art. I would just be like kind of getting some, getting the art done instant. I don't know. It, no. Okay. That's some of these bros and they're mostly bros. <laughs> are saying shit like oh this is the new way to make art i'm like i don't i don't think it counts (laughs) no it's a cool way to visualize maybe something that i'm already doing but i'm like taking a shortcut of just imagining it without because i mean like everyone has a vivid imagination everyone can imagine Mm -hmm. cool scenes and shit but it's hard and that's just that's the beautiful skill of getting it to come out of your fingers or what you know whatever you're creating (laughs) it with you know getting it yeah yeah. realizing it Anyone can have a dream. That's not particular. Doesn't I mean it requires imag- imagination? Is sort of a skill, but like, I think it is. And some people aren't good at it for sure. <laughs> yeah, I have that. I don't have the skill to like. You know, I haven't worked on the skill to like bring it into being. And so it's like, you know, most of us just have to exist in that frustrating sort of area of like, I can't, you know, or I, have, like you said, I haven't put in the work to bring that into being you're just taking a shortcut with this stuff you're not actually doing it (laughs) yeah but i mean that's what people are are trying to claim is that this is a new way of making art and this is the future of art and blah 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 and i'm like i don't think that's right like i just don't i think it's a different thing and i think it would be less fraught less uh less of something you would hate if we which is most things really uh (laughs) if we're in the commune because like then no one's really getting ripped off Yes. It's like it would be a different category of things. It's like, oh, some people are really good at like melding all of everyone's work together and making something we didn't think of, you know, sure. And then they're not really, it's not, they're melding. They're not stealing anymore. They're, you know, doing a mosaic almost. I don't know. I think, I, so that's kind of interesting because like I would still like want credit. Like I'm still not comfortable with someone taking my work and like fucking with it to that degree yeah i don't know i've never had someone please please nobody do this i will fucking end you if you take my art and do something (laughs) (laughs) no so what what it would be right so they'd produce this cool something based off of so many different things and then the side banner would be probably in very small yeah probably in very small font because it takes from so many sources it's like this percent from so and so and maybe it even breaks down the elements of what you know it'd give you the readout on the side that'd be kind of cool like i could vibe with that like if it was more like almost like collage of like yeah i took a bunch of things and i like artists talk to each other all the time like that's very common but like i think what what happens with a lot of these is like they literally are typing like style of so and so and like yeah that's bad you can't just do that like you should have hired so and so and like i will say like Big firms do this on a different level. They'll they'll say, you know, they'll they'll have a mood board. We we you know, this is getting in the weeds here, but um very often these these big like design firms or companies will say like, Oh, we want to look like this and they put so and so on the mood board. Then they proceed to not hire so and so and get one of their fucking interns to try to copy so and so's style. 
Oh, that's like the dollar store version of this. Or maybe yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's the opposite. I mean, this it, is the dollar store version of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it, it is. And like, there's definitely conversation we had. Like, that's shitty too. You took work from somebody. You said, I want it to look like that, but I'm not willing to pay for it. Like, that's kind of shitty. Yeah. That's the whole thing. It sucks because people are getting ripped off. It's the sweat of, sweat of your brow right now. But if we move to that next stage, it would be mean just to be like, this is mine. And then everyone could come out yes. and say, no, it's not, asshole. It's not yours. <laughs> it's this person's. But it would just be like a social faux pas versus like stealing in a world where that is taking, you know, material goods away from you. Yeah, I think that's a good distinction. It's like, yeah, this is taking work from people. It's like commission portraits or portrait commissions are huge for the artist community. It's like how a lot of people make their living is, is you know, doing profile pictures for Twitter, doing animal portraits. I used to do animal portraits. Like that was a super common way for me to get a little extra, extra cash. And if this goes much further, like I'm telling you, like I think magazines are going to start doing this. Like I think, I think it's going to get nasty. Uh, book covers are probably going to start doing this. Like it's illustration is already something that people are not super willing to pay for. And we have to really fight and be super transparent with each other about our rates and stuff and like try to fight for more money when we can. And if they find a shortcut around that, they fucking will take it. So I'm just, I'm here to sound the alarm. <laughs> yeah. So if you, if you guys ever organize a illustrator's, union yes and go on an illustrator strike they're gonna break you guys with the ai oh yeah they absolutely would or or just stock images or something like yeah they totally will <laughs> everything will look ugly for a little bit but they'll get you guys back in line you know what i think the way around that is the illustrator union has to be in solidarity with like the design union the graphic design union or the ui people whoever so that way they can't like get anything done like they'll print it in like fucking black and white and upside down and everything because like <laughs> everyone else will not there be there to help it's just them. the higher ups the managers trying to remember what any of the shit is they haven't mm -hmm, learned any of like, the program since 10 years ago <laughs> exactly like is it jpeg uh what do i do like yes <laughs> they're, they're in okay. paint trying to figure it out <laughs> Exactly. They're going to do an MS paint edition of like the Washington <laughs> Post. It's going to be great. So yeah, that's, that's my plan. We, we get some cross unions going on. Yeah. I mean, solidarity across the board. That's what you got to do. Okay. That was my soapbox. I'll put it away. That was good. I, I feel like I learned something. I, I was just a, a blissfully unaware. <laughs> uh, like I said, mainly my experience with that is that mid journey bot thing on there. I think there's one online that I had used the at Dolly. some point. Mm, yeah, that one. I like, yeah, that one's fun. And like, I've, that one's kind of cool for memes. Too, I like. don't know. Like that one where it's like, uh, what you wake up outside the simulation or something and it's just creepy. Like you're in the <laughs> hospital sort of thing. It's oh God. Super scary. That's but. really scary. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I have liked some of those memes before. Like I get it. Like those are kind of funny, but like, I'm very sensitive when it comes to just ripping ripping art and maybe i should be more sensitive about ripping photos like y'all get at me if that's something i need to be more aware of like i can do that for sure i would say fo photos I, I agree with your distinction of public figures i mean unless it's very iconic you know like the che Guevara picture or something it's like okay that's that's a that's a work of photography or something versus yeah just, this is a a red carpet photo here's obama walking yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 okay but i i, I would 
lean on the side of photography being really cool if you know if I'd like the artistic and stuff for all the com the composition or what the the weird photography terms <laughs> yes <laughs> insert photography terms here yeah I did not take that class because it sounded hard um, <laughs> okay uh the last thing on my list is really small but uh have you heard of sumptuary laws that sounds vaguely familiar I mean, this, once again, shout out to the Black Death lecture series I'm watching. <laughs> I promise this is not turning into a medieval history show. I just <laughs> think the Middle Ages are really interesting. Sumptuary laws are basically like, what the example that was given in this lecture series was, because you had so many like bourgeoisie kind of gaining status and power um, after the first wave of the Black Death, because like less people alive, they were able to take advantage of um, prices and stuff. You had this big upwardly mobile class happening and the nobles were like, oh, that sucks. Uh, let's pass laws on what people can wear. <laughs> mm. Can't be too fancy or something. Yeah. So like furs and stuff were like limited to like noble blood and like all, all this crazy shit. Isn't that hilarious? Damn. So it was like, oh, the new fur coats just dropped and it's, but you had to like have the access code. You had to be like in the nobles to be able to be let in the store. Well, I don't know about like how the shopping worked or whatever, <laughs> but like you could get in trouble for wearing like too expensive, like above your stationed clothes. Even if you had a bunch of money. Even if you had the money to buy it. Like if you weren't a noble, you'd get in trouble. Oh, okay. You're saying we should bring these back? No, I just think they're insane. I just think like what a desperate way to try to hold on to your class status. <laughs> you guys better. It's like anti-drip laws. <laughs> you gotta be ugly <laughs> yeah we can't have you out here showing us up basically that's what they're saying right like you look too cool you need to look worse than us because we're cooler than you yeah so apparently they couched it in like religious and moral tones of like oh this is too excessive or whatever but it's like well if it's that bad like why are you doing <laughs> yeah why are you the only <laughs> but, ones allowed to then <laughs> exactly but yeah mostly aimed at the middle classes uh, a lot at women as well so yeah i, I think it's interesting because like then, like, you know, a few years later when the nobles ran out of money, they're like, oh, actually, we need to marry these people. <laughs> so like, You can wear the fur coat because you're my husband now. Yeah, it's you're cool. allowed. You're by marriage. <laughs> Honorary noble. It's interesting. Later they do this. Well, instead of these laws, they mm -hmm. just change the accent on people. So oh. they the posh people would have a certain way of speaking. And then when people kind of affected it to get airs and, and be fancier. They would they would change. They'd be like, "Oh, every, all the all the poor's are speaking like this now. Now we're going to change." And so, their linguistic historians, anyway, think there's like you can kind of mm, trace certain you know elements. Uh, I've seen this in in like British English of like you know high received pronunciation versus uh, more casual uh, dialects, and say, "Oh yeah, that that you know basically the rich people were switching this on people." Yeah, okay, so that happens with so many things, and I find it fascinating. Um, food, that happens a lot, like mm. spices and tea and chocolate used to be, you know, extreme status symbols because you had to, like, fucking get that from across the world. And whenever, like, poor people started getting access to more spices, the upper class in England was like, oh, actually, we want food to be bland now. That's what's cool. Yeah, we don't want anyone to get too horny. <laughs> From all it's those spices. Horny. It was just racism too, right? Of it was like, racism oh, the, is saying, oh. 
yeah, the hot blooded <laughs> Latins consume mm-hmm. all that and they, you know, they get angry and uh, all this quick tempered, not, I don't know, just bullshit. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> and plus, we don't want anyone to get too libidinous. So here's a graham cracker. Yeah. And also, we don't want anyone to think that we're poor. <laughs> yeah, it's it's bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Another one, like a modern one, this has been interesting. So so think about like the Kardashians, right? Your favorites. Yeah. I've got <laughs> several posters of them. Uh-huh. So like a lot of, you know, a lot of articles have been written about their co-opting of black women's bodies and like they pretend essentially to be aesthetically black in a lot of ways you know they did a lot of surgeries and all this stuff and i say aesthetically black with quotation marks there's no one way to look black obviously yeah (laughs) they they are like using you know like i think she wore cornrows at one point like okay yeah what are you doing so you're Um, saying they're appropriation that's the word thank you but yeah, so one thing that they've done that got a lot of attention was a lot of like body mods, you know, a lot of surgeries on their butts and boobs to make them bigger. They, a lot of them have deflated recently. And a popular theory is that as plastic surgery has become more accessible to the middle class, they say, oh, it's not cool anymore. And so they switch back to being thin. Oh, Okay. Isn't that interesting? Body modification is also dictated by this sort of... in a way. Yeah. (laughs) Because now, I think now we have cultural sumptuary laws that are enforced. We should maybe enforce them. They should say that to get a Brazilian (laughs) butt lift, you have to have this much in stocks, this much... So then uh, we have nothing but bad. we have nothing but like thick ass CEOs now. <laughs> at least make them hot. If yeah. I have to look at them, <laughs> they've all got like uh, super perfect lips or whatever. Yes, they got the lip fillers. They got the cheek fillers. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. Anyway, that's just about rich people and how they're hilariously always trying to be trendy by being assholes. By saying, no, you cannot have that much fur. You cannot look that cool. You are too fly. No furs, no spices, no butt lifts. What kind of world are you living in? Hey, if, yeah, if your revolution doesn't have (laughs) cosmetic surgery and fur coats, I don't want to be a part of your revolution. (laughs) Come on. I definitely won't be there if y'all don't know how to cook, if you don't use spices. Come on, guys. Yeah, for real. Triple the garlic in every recipe. Just... What are you doing? This is a good cardinal rule, or at least double. I've, I've done this ever since I heard it from you. It's great. Yeah. Just people who write recipes always wuss out oh, on garlic. Also, if you are if you live with someone, you cook for someone who doesn't like an ingredient or whatever. Are you just going to put it in? One, well, if they don't like like a basic ingredient. I'm not talking something that like stands out in a dish, but uh-huh. if they consider themselves to be a person who is not too fond of like onions or Mm. mushrooms or something that like can be very low key dial it back but also chop it up really finely when you do use it some dishes kind of need it and benefit from like the flavor this will kind of get rid of the texture so they don't detect it as much and you can kind of like introduce it to them and and make them realize that you do like elements of this you just don't like a big huge chunk of onion or something 
Yeah, I mean, Kyle did that to me in jalapeno. Like he uses it in in salad dressings. He'll like Whoa. he took out he takes out the seeds, mm-hmm. but he just uses just the jalapeno. And it's really good, and I actually like it now. I don't. I still don't want to like eat a slice of it or something, but I I like it in certain contexts. Right. There's certain parts of it that you like, like you said. In a way, it just has to be presented there. You know. Yeah. Transformed. Oh, did I tell you I'm a full white person now? <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, no. What made you turn to the light side? <laughs> Not morally, but no. Uh, <laughs> The final two acts, I think, that got me. I now like oysters, and I now like olives. Oysters are kind of weird. I kind of like them. They're kind of weird. Olives, they're, they've always been great. I Olives, I I was very particular about it. I would like them incorporated into things, but I could not just, like, snack on olives like some people could. You mean, like, real-ass, like, Kalamata like, olives type Yeah, like, things? like big old olives. like or like, like stuffed or... olives, too? Uh, I don't really fuck with stuffed olives. Okay. I don't know if I've had them lately. You can do like blue cheese. You can do like all sorts of stuff. I do those. like blue cheese. Anyway, I'm into olives now. <laughs> like at an olive bar situation? Yeah, I probably could eat some. Like It depends on the olive for sure. Yeah. I, I, I still, there's some that I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. But I'm curious. Olive curious. <laughs> <laughs> I love olives. I, I didn't know. I didn't know olives are such a white person thing though but that's maybe biased because i like them so i'm like well they're not that white but <laughs> i don't know maybe they're not uh i think they are but it's just because my husband's family really likes them and they're super white and then yeah oysters um, like raw oysters or like oysters raw oysters because I, I liked grilled okay. i liked grilled oysters the whole time yeah oh we did a we did a tasting menu thing in austin i gotta tell you about that sometime nice uh, how do you so how do you do your raw oysters because i know they serve with stuff it's like you have lemon you got hot sauce different people do it different ways okay so this is my thing is i usually just do like a little bit of lemon and maybe some red wine vinegar but for me i usually try the first one by itself just so i get like what does this need and then i doctor but like if it's by itself like i really god this is getting into some bougie shit guys welcome to the bougie part of the podcast <laughs> Um, I really like uh, East Coast oysters, oh. apparently. All right. Um, because we did a flight at one restaurant. Because like our normal restaurant we go to that has oysters, they're all East Coast, and I like them. And then we did a flight at a different restaurant, and I was like, I hate all of these except for this one, and it was the one that was from the East Coast. So huh, okay, there you go. Main oysters are my favorite, apparently. So if you don't like oysters, that could be a, a trick. Maybe you like the other coast. Try a different coast. <laughs> try a different region. See it. And then, yeah, we went to a, a nice restaurant this weekend and uh, did like a, it's called omakase? Yeah, omakase, yeah. Yeah. And um, the first course was an oyster and it was just like, they did all the, the stuff on top of it for you. It was like crazy yuzu, pearls, and like, oh, it was just amazing. Like, wow. I'm like, that's how I want oysters. Like, can you fix it up for me? Like, you're the fucking chef here. <laughs> you know what's good. I really want to do that one day, do an omakase uh, yes. sushi experience. I got like uh, Abby's parents basically like gave us some money to go toward that just like on my last birthday before and we and we kept putting it off but the last birthday I had before uh, the pandemic and so oh. then for a while I was like shit I really shouldn't have put that off <laughs> <laughs> well you should go yeah ours was a it was a hot pot tasting Ooh, thing okay um, if y'all are in Austin want to drop some money on a meal dip 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 um, is a fantastic place cool but yeah, the sushi one would be fun too. I would totally do that. Yeah. All right, that was the bougie, <laughs> the bougie hour. 
Yeah, and it's only bougie right now just because of capitalism. Like, yeah, everyone could have this. Yeah, we want to have the, <laughs> these sorts of good, good fucking options in our commune in the future. You know, we're not barracks communists here unless like the conditions dictate it. We want like a a good ass fucking huge spread we're of fur everything. coat communists. Yeah. Well, maybe faux, I guess, so we don't piss off the animal people. True. Yeah, if we don't want. It is an already existing coat. You can use it. Is my opinion. Yeah, I mean, but just synthetics for like that's there's no problem with yeah, that. There's no problem. You can make it real soft. Uh, that's our that's our party line. <laughs> In case you were wondering, you're about to type a question to us on Twitter. What do you think about fur coats? <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have anything else? No, that was the end of my list. All right. Do we want to call it there and make it a shorty, or I can. I can bullshit a headline or something. Oh, do you have a headline? Uh, I was just going to criticize America. That's something I like to <laughs> That's do. That's my favorite. Let's do that. <laughs> okay. A couple of headlines that I saw today that were annoying to me or had to do with one had to do with Iran and one had to do with China. One of them was talking about Iran and like the uh, protests and everything that had happened there. And we mentioned that before in a yeah, previous episode. And how it seemed pretty fucked up what was going on. They apparently today abolished their morality police. Just got rid of that. That's good. Yeah. Uh, they said they were going to review the requirement that women cover their heads in public. Uh, and basically, yeah, this morality police that was in charge of that was disbanded. Okay, I'm I'm pro police getting disbanded. So, <laughs> yeah, I think overall it was pretty good. I thought that the Wall Street Journal's main this is not the opinion section; it's just the main regular section of it. Uh, their headline was just "Iran abolishes morality police considers changing hijab laws." In the sub thing, in the little sub blurb mm-hmm. or whatever, it says, uh, you know, it tells you those things and says uh, a move that analysts say is aimed at peeling away support for protests. What? Are you sure it's not a move that says the protests like were successful? Right, like in in a normal <laughs> situation, wouldn't we just say that you know, Protest the people's won. yeah, the people's voice has been heard or like change is coming or or like demands were met. Right. Or or like They don't want us to get ideas that that protesting works. This is just a a cruel conniving way of peeling away support for protest and don't get me wrong we just we're talking about how we don't like what the regime's doing you know what their what their government's doing there or whatever and we we do like this change i'm just saying it's, it's a weird way to phrase it of like look at this nefarious country doing what its people demanded <laughs> well i think it was more of like protests don't work kind of language of like Oh, they just happen to be doing this. Yeah, and now like, these protests are getting undermined by the government doing what they asked them yeah. to do. Instead of saying, "Hey, this protest worked," like, did you guys know if you like go out in the streets and demand things, like the government will just do it? Like, yeah. they don't want us to know. Yeah, that. that's <laughs> ugh, oof. Don't don't get ideas, like you said. <laughs> There's also this ugh. one in China that I thought was an interesting one from the New York Times. It says the Chinese dream denied. Harsh measures shake Beijing's social contract. Uh, the sub blurb on that one says China's society is built on an implicit bargain, giving up freedoms for stability and comfort. <laughs> but with COVID restrictions, even those have dwindled. But 
Who did that make you think of? (laughs) Um, Interesting, interesting. No freedoms, huh? No freedoms, but I just... uh, Guys, look in the mirror. Like... (laughs) How's your freedom? Right. Don't don't we have this same bargain of, look. You got to follow some rules. Allow these two parties to run everything. Please mm-hmm. don't try to get out of that. They, we, you can't. All right. Uh, uh, democracy begins and ends at the at the polling place. That's it. You, you don't have any of that in between. If you go protest, hey, it's not going to work. If you try to introduce some democracy, say, to your job. No, absolutely. No, that is no a tyranny. Striking. That's what. The, that's an absolute <laughs> dictatorship. Leave it that way. In exchange, treats. We're gonna give you lots of treats. You're gonna have anything you need if you can afford it. If you can afford it, because we're not gonna give you health care. And that's the bargain. It's great. It's true. It's true. We are all in a bargain with our governments to varying levels of <laughs> degrees of success. Well, that's the thing too. Is like recently, I think we've seen our own. American, from our perspective, the the American bargain start to fall apart, right? (laughs) Yeah. More, you know, we had especially deep crisis moments and everything in terms of supplies and stuff in the pandemic. But even after that, it really hasn't subsided 100%. Yeah, I, I saw a commercial or maybe it was a news, like a local news promo for like, yeah, it was a local news promo for like a girl working two jobs and they're like fucking glamorizing it. I'm like, why are you like trying to sell having two jobs? Like, what does it say about your economy that you have to get everyone to want two jobs? Yeah. From the worker standpoint like that or from just the consumer standpoint of not always having the shit that you want. And, you know, everywhere is understaffed because people don't want to pay workers enough. And uh, guys, I have, I started construction on my, on my deck uh, about two, two months ago. Uh, I don't have a deck cause I'm still waiting for wood to come in. Yeah. Supplies too. <laughs> this is what we, you know, used to pillory the old Soviet union about is, Oh, they had to stand in lines at the grocery store and the, I'm standing in line, the wood line the shelves were empty. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, Man, we have that now, and it's just the same thing as they're talking about in this. Yeah, cars, this how expensive cars oh, are. Like, yeah, yeah, that's construction crazy. in general, like electronics, like all that shit is just like we've accepted it now. Of like, yeah, that's going to take a long time. Like, if you if you have a part broken in like a you know an appliance, that's going to take forever. Mm-hmm. And that's but but the other end of the bargain is still there. We still have to comply. We still have to say. Yeah, but, you know, America, I don't know, it's the land of opportunity or something. You know, it's it's great. You're free to, but we, we still have to. <laughs> free mouth. to work two jobs. Right, yeah. We still have to pretend <laughs> that we're getting anything at all out of this arrangement, even though increasingly we're not. And I think it's just funny that this article is like, oh, you know, the people of China, they have to put up with very harsh restrictions. And, of course, Xi Jinping, very authoritarian and... and terrible as if our government is not authoritarian no authority they never use authority here it's just freedom it just runs all on liberty totally totally we're definitely not persecuting entire groups of people and just, no, yeah, no no that's not at all other countries do that <laughs> you know and again that's not to say you know there may there are probably honestly if it's like literally any government the chinese government is probably also doing oppressive things in one way or another I'm sure. uh, to various groups of its people you don't even have to go fully to the extent of the American media talk about that to, to say that, yeah, that, that prop, some element of that is probably happening. 
but I just find it interesting that they're like, oh, now this social contract is breaking down. Now they don't have as many of these things. And, you know, maybe it's instability that's, that they're going to go through because of that. It's like, dude, we're having that here. Like, <laughs> this is interesting to talk about from an, in another country, but it's why aren't why, why isn't anyone bringing this up here? Two. Yeah, yeah. And like, I don't know, I'm thinking about the dispossessed again, because of course I am. <laughs> <laughs> but like that had a social contract element too, of like, yeah, you gotta like be cool. <laughs> like it was a very simple one of like, help the community when you can, like have that community mindset. You don't technically have to, we're not gonna kill you over it. But like, there was a social contract like, hey, if you want to like, have friends here, you like have to not be an asshole. Yeah. And if you want to ground it back in Marxist terms. You know, one of the things that they talked about in Socialism, Scientific and Utopian by Engels was this, and and Marx talked about this in the manifesto too, is uh, eventually the productive forces in society are held back by the system that's in place, by the mode of production, capitalism. Eventually, capitalism is standing in the way of everyone getting what they need. Ooh, doesn't feel like eventually. <laughs> right? Eventually, like, we're, we're, we are killing ourselves, our whole planet, to serve capitalism. Like, that's the reason we're saying, oh, yay, I get to work two jobs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yay, I don't uh, have health care. You know, yeah. I, I, I don't have air to breathe. Yeah. And the reason why is capitalism's keeping you in that situation. People, there are people who need invest returns on their investment. And that's why all of this is, is happening. And it's set up as these, these immobile laws, like, like the strike breaking, like, Oh, we had to, you know? And it's like, you didn't though. Like you fucking didn't. Right. But that's the way that language comes from of the fetters of those modes of production, like locking you in, that's why they say they have to, because to them, they, they can't see past that. They're abiding by the system, and it's like, we offer this whole man out. Yeah, it's got to go <laughs> if we're ever going to be free from that. That's true. That's true. That's all I got. <laughs> well, it was good. A good note to end on. Yeah, uh, we got to free ourselves or else. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, next week for real, we are doing movie night. Uh, we're, we're watching Pride. It's a great movie. Oh, you already watched it. Good for you. Yeah, you guys should go out and watch it on Amazon Prime is where I watched it. I think that's where it's streaming. But you could, you know. That's a suggestion, not a requirement. Right. It probably You can probably find it in other ways. Mm-hmm. Just give credit to the filmmakers if you do that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, we'll talk to y'all next week. All right. See you then. Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. 
and we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up and coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.